0: Let's look to the Lord. Father, this morning we are in your presence, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are our Father and no one else. But there is no Father like you. There is no one like you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. I do believe, Lord, at the end of the message, everyone here who have ears will appreciate you and Christ even more than ever in their lives, Lord. We just want to thank you, Lord. Come everyone here and everyone online around the world listening. Everyone. Touch, comfort, strengthen, edify, encourage, convict. We release the word into your hands, Spirit of God. You do what only you can do. Those who have come from night shifts, been up till morning, I pray, you will give them. Strength to remain awake. Because you're God of impossibilities. What is impossible with man is possible with you. So I release, Father, everyone into thy hands, myself included. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. amen. i got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. Two weeks back, we looked at heaven. Today, we shall look at hell. (laughs) Because there are only two places. Genesis 16 and verse 8. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Probably the most important question to which we need to have the right answer. Do we know where we are going? Pause for a minute, ask yourself, where am I going? Are you sure, absolutely sure, where you are going? Genesis to Revelation is the tale of people. Most of them didn't know where they were going. That's why love, our prayer requests, most of them is for salvation of unsaved loved ones. There are only two destinations at the end, heaven or hell, with God, without God. The Bible and the history of mankind, it is the story of redemption it is also the story of rejection one day matthew 25:34 the king will say come you who are blessed of the father inherit the kingdom or verse 41 he will say depart from me you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and the angels. What does it mean? He said, you were never meant to go there. It was never meant for you. Man, it was never meant for you. But you chose. Everything is a choice. I set before you life and death. Heaven and hell. You choose. Right now, everyone seated here everyone who can hear online, everyone who will listen in the days to come, everyone is headed in the same direction, which is called death. Death is not a full stop. It's just a comma. It's only an exit ramp. It's not an end. It's actually the real beginning. After death, It's heaven or hell. You're received by angels or accosted by demons. (laughs) Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, it is appointed. It is appointed for men to die once. But after this is the judgment and he saw the judgement in one word come or go inherit depart so all of life on earth is actually preparation for that one day and if you are not in sunday school <laughs> you're not that lucky <laughs> that means you're already reached the age of accountability <laughs> The ones in Sunday school, the toddlers, you know, you have, they have nothing to fear. <laughs> they haven't reached that day yet. But if you're sitting here, all of life, one day, Amos, the prophet Amos would put it very soberly, somberly, in Amos 412, prepare to meet your God, O Israel. Prepare to meet your God, your Maker, O Israel. And that day is coming, closer and closer. One of the two eventualities is going to happen. Either we die or Christ comes. I don't know. Both seems like imminent. <laughs> I don't know which will be faster. I think like he may come before anybody has time to die. And I'm telling you, nothing is going to make a difference. All that blah blah you see in media, climate change, global warming. The world is hurtling, breakneck speed towards its destiny to meet its creator. The day God says, enough. Even his patience has its limit. Okay, so remember, everything that you see around the world. He says, when you see these things happening, lift up your heads. So please remember, the day he told Adam, "Don't eat." You eat. You will die. The wages of sin is? Death. You take sin, death, hell, redemption out. <laughs> this is a nonsensical book. You're wasting our time here. And Jesus is then the biggest farce of fraud perpetuated on mankind. There is no God, and if there is one, is neither holy, righteous, loving, merciful, compassionate, or patient. You can frame him in your own liking, because none of these words have any meaning. But if there is sin, and if there is death, and if there is hell, we know the first two is there, because we sin. And we will die. So logically, the third thing also should be real. If there is sin, and if there is death, and if there is hell, and these three are real, then we know, we will appreciate what we are saved from. What we are saved from. That's why I said, by the end of this today's message, you will appreciate Christ. You will att- appreciate salvation. You will appreciate the blood of Jesus. You will appreciate the cross. And I pray your worship will be contagious as Pastor Vijay says. You know, every time the cross, the blood, he doesn't care who is around. So you need to know what God saved us from. If Jesus was and he was and he is the most sincere, concerned, loving person who ever walked on earth and every word he spoke was true and every word he spoke matters then please remember death is a fact no one can escape. We have an appointment we cannot miss. The only question then after that is what? Is it the end or is it the real beginning? There are lots of theories. It's a theory called annihilation. It's a very comforting theory for those who don't want Jesus. It's meaning that when you die, you cease to exist. No, you won't. You don't cease to exist. You will exist better than ever before. Very aware of everything. Then there is another theory floating around in Christian circles called universalism. God is so good and so loving and so kind, at the end He will save everybody. Then there is another theory called inclusiveness, which means all those who did not hear the gospel, you know, God will spare them. Right? If you want to believe that gospel, that all who did not hear the gospel, He will spare them, then the best thing to do is not preach the gospel, because everybody will be spared, right? then not preaching the gospel seems better than preaching the gospel because if you preach the gospel, they hear and believe they will be saved. But if they don't hear the gospel, they will be spared. You need to understand in Christendom what all weird logics are there. The gospel is good news. But how can there be good news unless there is bad news? If there is no bad news, there cannot be good news. There is only news. The gospel is called good news. So if the gospel is the good news, there has to be bad news. It is not just bad news. It is terrible news. Horrifying news. The wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. Therefore, the good news in Christ, there is eternal life. If heaven is a real place, a prepared place, and God is preparing his people for that place, And in the book of Revelation, which we are systematically studying on Mondays and Fridays, God, through the Apostle Paul, gives us a preview of of the last days and also a preview of heaven. Therefore, if heaven is real, hell is equally real. And if you actually go through the Gospels, Jesus preached both heaven and hell. And he preached hell three times more than heaven. In the New Testament, hell is mentioned in different words 172 times. Jesus himself mentioned it 70 times. Okay? So it's a very serious topic. Now, However much we want to be like Jesus, we don't want to preach too much like Jesus. Because Jesus preached hell more than heaven. Simple thing, love is a good motivator, so is fear. They're very good motivator? Jonathan Edwards... <laughs> Famous poem, sorry, sermon. Sinners in the hands of a angry God saved multitudes. So the wages of sin is death. So the question is, am I saved from the penalty of sin? But I am still dying. Every time we look in the mirror, there is a symbol. We are dying. Right? We are dying. So am I saved? Yes and no. You're saved from the first. Second death, you're not saved from the first one. We saw that it's appointed unto everyone to die once, and then it is judgments. So there is death, part one, then there is death, part two. Everyone doesn't have to go to death too. But sadly, many. I don't know the numbers, but when you look at scripture and humanity, it looks like most, sadly, will go there. Maybe some who are sitting here too. Maybe some who are listening online too will go there. Because they refuse to believe. Because they refuse to obey. You can take chances with everything in life. Not with this one thing. Don't take a chance. Don't dare to take a chance. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. In verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there's something called second death. If we look at Matthew 25 and verse 46, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You know what? This something eternal, everlasting, or the simple word, forever, connected with both places. Nature. Forever and ever. And this side, forever and ever. So there is no inhalation. And to the generation that lives in the last days. So worst-case scenario. Do you know much of the Bible actually is written specifically to the generation that lives in the last days? Much of the warnings will only make sense to the generation if we are that or you are that. The young ones, you are that. It makes only sense to that generation. It's written specifically to that generation. Matthew twenty four Jesus says, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been seen in the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be, unless those days were shortened. No flesh should be saved for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So so many things which are written were not written for other generations because it's not for them. But they won't be there to experience what is coming. It's written for a specific generation. In First Corinthians chapter 10, talking about a generation that wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and the entire record of that generation, all the places they stopped, what all they said, what all they did, their rebellion, everything is recorded in so much detail for whom? Now, all these things happened to them. As examples. Why is it recorded? Why do we have such a detailed record of 40 years of wanderings in the wilderness? Why? Why should it be there? Because they have happened to them as examples as they were written for our admonition upon whom ends of the ages has come. He says, learn. 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 He says, learn. He says, God is very serious. Very serious about salvation. Very serious about redemption. Very serious. Because the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Going. Little by little. Time is up. Very soon. Hell is not the grave. Hell is not inhalation. Hell is not a curse word. I thought about giving the title for the message: "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> Alvin cool, Coolidge, Coolidge, who was. Uh, President, and he was vice president presiding over the Senate. Two senators were fighting. So those days also they used to fight. And one senator shouted at other senator and said, go to hell. So he appealed to the chair and said, your honor, if this remarks has to be expunged from the records. So college looked up and he said, it is not written in the book, r- rule book. You don't have to go there. No one has to go there. The whole purpose of Jesus coming and going through a horrible, terrible death on the cross and being buried and being raised up, triumphing over death, is that no one has to go there. So hell is not a curse word. Hell is a real place. A real, real place, more real than Hyderabad. When Hyderabad ceases to exist, hell will be still there. So you will see the intensity, the urge to preach the gospel, to witness for the past 2000 years, propelled by two factors. One, it's the love of God. The other, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 and 11. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what has He has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, both those who are in and outside the kingdom, persuade in the the kingdom, walk carefully. Don't take what God's counsel lightly. Walk carefully. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord We persuade man because we all have a court appearance scheduled. The name of the judge is Jesus Christ. The nature of the judgment is eternal. There are no further appeals. There are no advocates you can hire and there are no witness testimony. Only evidence will be presented in the court, which will be irrefutable. Sin may not look a big deal today. Disobedience may not look a big deal today. Rebellion may not look a big deal today. But on that day, it will look bigger than you can think. So Jesus goes about Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of God is here. Maybe tomorrow. I preached to the Nepali church on Thursday. The first word of the gospel is not love. It's not grace. It's not mercy. It's not compassion. The first word of the good news is repent first word is repent. It's not even faith. Most people, when you talk to them and you interact with them, you will see they have very little faith. And the reason they do not have faith is because they haven't repented. Because repent and have faith towards God. That's the order. So the first word of the gospel is repent. Repent. To the five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the admonition is, the warning is, repent. So repent. And the last words of Jesus, as he is rising above Bethany, blessing his people, last words is, repentance shall be preached for the remission of sins. The first and the last words. You see. Parable after parable. Some say 30 parables, some say 50 parables, depending upon how you look. Parable after parable of the coming kingdom, of the coming judgment. Parable after parable, trying to teach the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming, this is the way the kingdom will, this is the way you should be, parable after parable. Then suddenly in the middle of it, one parable, or maybe not a parable. Probably not a parable. There is a story. Because in no other parable is a proper name mentioned. the Name of a person mentioned. But in this parable or story, you can take it as both. There is a name mentioned. <coughs> when he goes there, you know what he does? He pulls the curtain aside a little and gives us a glimpse of hell. This is the master, the one who has come from the father's bosom. The one about whom it is written, there was no deceit found in his mouth. He will not lie. He will not deceive you or me. If he says hell is real, it's real. He has magnified his word above his name. So if the word describes hell, gives you a glimpse of how eternity without God is going to be like, we will suddenly realize the urgency. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, let us read it slowly, let it sink in. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his swords. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Being in torments in Hades, He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, father, Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rise from the dead. Everybody awake? James 2.19 First point. There are no atheists in hell. Everyone believes. There are no unbelievers in hell. Everyone believes. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe. There are no unbelievers in hell. Everyone believes. Only thing they believed a second late. Everyone believes. There are no atheists in hell. Absolutely no atheists in hell. And you know what? everyone in hell is a monotheist. They believe only in one God. Because they realize there is only one God. And they believe in the true God. They know the true God. They believe in his son because they know Jesus is the son of God. The only problem, they believe late. That's why in the Bible there is always a word called today. Tomorrow is not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you make a decision to change. Today is the day it's always today. tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. God says, don't even make plans tomorrow so and so. Don't even do that. He says, if the Lord wills. Why are they all believers in hell? Because now they see. It's sight. They all see. That's why Jesus told Thomas, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Because on the other side, there are a lot of believers who believed after sin. The problem, they believed a little late. Luke 16, 24. He said, Father Abraham, have mercy. Hell is not a place of no prayer. In fact, Every second of every living day, there is more prayers offered in hell than ever on earth. And every cry on hell is a cry for mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. The most compassionate, the most loving, the most kind man who ever walked on earth, any time he heard, it doesn't matter he's blind or lame or a leper, cries Jesus, son of David, have mercy. He stops doesn't hear the cry of mercy anymore. Please don't ever think hell is not a place where there is no prayer. All believers, all pray. People who never prayed on earth will also pray in hell. The cry is always
1: mercy, mercy,
0: mercy. But sadly, but truth. No prayer is ever answered. Verse 27 and 28. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. In hell, there is great evangelistic fervor. Great desire to witness to your family. People who never shared the gospel, never witnessed to anybody, is crying out for somebody to witness to their families. But this is the time you can witness. This is the time you can share your gospel. This is the time you can pray for somebody, not then. Concern for the loved ones. Honored, they must have been least interested in the gospel, in hearing the word of God, in attending church, in offering, in various ministries, least interested. But now, if God really wanted volunteers in the church, everyone in hell will put their hand up. What do you want me to do? Come on a Saturday to roll the carpets. What do you want me to do? Put the sound? What do you want me to do? Rain, thunder, lightning. I will go. Here I am. But you are not needed. Your time is up. Everyone would volunteer. They have all the time in the world. There is no work to do. Because your time is up. Understand the reality of what Christ saved us from. And we haven't even started. Describing that place, God sent his only begotten son so that no one has to go there. He said it very clearly. Hell was not made for man. It was meant for the devil and for the demons. Jesus, therefore, preached more on hell. Three times more on hell than on heaven. Hell was not meant for man. We saw that. Matthew 25, 41. Everlasting fire prepared for devil and his angels. Even the hell that we saw and which is there now, it is just an incarceration chamber. That is even not the real place. The real place is the lake of fire where hell will be thrown into. Isaiah 5, verse 14 and 15. Therefore, Sheol, or hell, has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. You know what it's talking about? Hell has a life of its own. It's always enlarging, growing and growing and growing and growing. Because every second, tens and thousands of men and women's souls are pouring into hell. It's forever growing. Open its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down. Each man shall be humbled. And the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. The rich, the mighty, the drunkard. As he is drinking dice and goes there in his jubilation. The one who is stoned up to the sky. Goes there in a drug. You know, fentanyl deaths all over. People don't realize you are on a high and you reach the low. So what is saying. Hell has enlarged itself. Kings and queens and prime ministers and presidents the big and the mighty. All kinds are just going in. And hell is enlarging enlarging and enlarging itself. Luke 16, 22. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. So, by logical deduction, who took the rich man to hell? The demons dragged him there. Have you noticed people who haven't made peace with God die? Have you seen some of the the horror and the terror because they are starting to see something on the other side? you know what Joseph Stalin's daughter said after her father's dead? I never want to see another man die because I saw the terror in his eyes because they had come to take him. He made Russia tremble. He killed personally, gave orders to kill at least a couple of million people to hold on to power. But he didn't know there was a power greater than him who would judge him. The horror of it. What a nice place. Proverbs 27 and verse 20 says, Hell and destruction are never full. Never full. There is never a placard outside hell saying full. So always is vacancy. Keep coming, keep sending them, keep sending them, keep sending them. We will always make room. Hell is not a penit- pen- penitentiary. That's the name of old prisons because penitence means to repent, change and come out. It's not a penitentiary where you are kept there until you reform yourself, play out or serve your sentence and then you are released. It is not. Do you know what hell is called? Second Thessalonians 1-8, it is called the vengeance of God. That's what God says, don't take, don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, he says. Leave it alone. It's the vengeance of God. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on God. On who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, Hell, those shall be punished. Hell is the punishment of God. Eternal destruction, not annihilation. Who are the ones who go there? Those who, verse 8, those who do not know God. And those who know but do not obey the gospel. Actually, if you study the Bible, the Word of God, you will see God has actually described in great detail. It's scattered all around. Hell very clearly. And heaven very little. Because it's the surprise. Heaven is a surprise. I've gone to my father's house to prepare a place for you. I haven't seen years. It's a surprise. He said, hell shouldn't be your surprise. Nobody should be surprised so very clearly he has described. Though our human mind do not have the capacity to imagine hell, with all our new 3D, 4D, all our animations, everything, either by words or pictures, we do not have the capacity to describe hell. Let us look at the word of God. Second Peter 2.4 if God did not spare the angels who sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. Hell is a place of darkness. We don't know that darkness. I don't know whether any one of us have known that darkness. Jude one thirteen says, Raging Waves of sea, forming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. I've heard I've heard stories of there are many places in Thailand, in the US, there are many places where they will take you to underground caves deep down. You can go visit deep down they will take you. Half a kilometer, one kilometer inside they will take you. And when you are like a kilometer inside, they will switch off the lights to give you an experience of darkness. Everybody says, it is so scary. That you put your hand here, you can't see. can't see anything. You can't see anything. Absolutely nothing. Remember, that was the last but one plague over Egypt. Three days of darkness, which you could feel. Egyptians could not rise from their seats because they could see nothing. Hell is a place of everlasting darkness forever and
1: ever and ever.
0: You will have eyes, but you will see
1: nothing. Nothing.
0: Matthew 18.8 If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maim rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Jesus is speaking this. Okay? He says you should be so radical that you don't reach that place. Don't reach that place, he says. It is a place of fire. It is called everlasting fire. In that portion we read, in Luke 16 and verse 24, he says, I am tormented in this flame. In Jude and verse 7, He says, as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth an example, suffering in the vengeance of eternal fire. Eternal fire, everlasting fire, tormenting fire. It never goes out. One of the words Jesus uses, there are four words for hell in the Greek, but the one word he specifically uses is the word called Gehenna. It was the garbage dump outside Jerusalem where the fire never went out because it was always fed with garbage. Day and night it was burning. Revelation 20 and verse 10 said, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. And brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night for forever and ever. Brimstone is sulfur. That's why sometimes when we do deliverance and cast up demons, you get the smell of sulfur. I well, say, so where did this smell come from? Because they are used to that smell. It's a lake of fire, everlasting fire, tormenting fire. And they're floundering in that fire. Up. They don't know whether they're going up. They don't know whether they're going down. They don't know whether they're going sideways. They don't know because they can see nothing. It's fire. But there is no light. They see nothing. Matthew 13 and verse 42, "I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing. The furnace we haven't seen I think the only one who probably has seen is our Lisa here, because she works for a steel company, and they have furnace. You can't go anywhere near it. You have to wear special suits to go near those places, the furnace. Steel melts there. Iron melts there. It is called a furnace. Yet you are never consumed. It will never stop. So it's a place of everlasting fire and it's pitch dark. Then Revelation 23. And he cast them into the bottomless pit and shut him up. Hell is a bottomless pit. You know, those of us who are from Kerala, we will know it. I mean, we are small, like you know, my home, grandma, father's house, there are three levels, three wells. The top well is very, very deep. So if nobody is watching, what we do is we take a stone and drop it. And we wait. It takes a little time for the stone to reach the bottom. But this is bottomless. You will never reach the bottom. You will be falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling all of eternity. The fire doesn't go out. And it's pitch dark. And you'll say, why is it so terrible? This is what happens to a world when God removes his presence. Do you know why you are standing? Do you know why you are sitting? Do you know why I am standing? Because God is here. God removes his presence. We will be falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling without end. Bottomless pit. Pitch dark. Flaming fire. Forever. There is nowhere you can grab. There is nowhere you can hold. Luke 16 and verse 23 and 24. And being in torments in hates, then he says, for I am tormented in this flame. It's a place of torment. Place of torment. Unending torment. One of the wards you should never visit is the wards of those who are recovering after third degree for whatever degree burns. Nothing works. No painkiller works. You can't touch them. <laughs> They are mourning and groaning in pain all the time. Torment. It's a place of torment. Matthew 8 and verse 12. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 13, 42. And we cast them into the furnace of fire and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's absolutely dark. The fire is blazing. It's a bottomless pit. And you can hear a screaming and sobbing and wailing and gnashing of teeth 24-7. And even those who can't hear now will hear then. Everybody's hearing will be restored. If you are blind, you will see, but you will see nothing. Your ears will be split by the sound of millions, probably billions upon billions of souls wailing and crying and gnashing their teeth and probably cursing also. Cursing you and me because we did not witness to them when we had the chance. Thank God there is no curse in heaven. Others would have followed us there. Revelation 14, 11, And the smoke of their torment. As such you cannot see anything. All you Electric and gas stove, burner people do not know what it is to light a fire. The terrible thing was the smoke. By the time you lit the fire in the morning, your eyes are all watering. This whole place is full of smoke. Do you know what it is to have smoke in your eyes 24-7? Pitch dark, blazing. Tumbling into the bottomless pit. Tormented by the burns. And the cries of millions of souls, including yours, wailing and screaming and gnashing their teeth. And then, eyes are full of smoke. The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. 1 John 4.18 <clears throat> There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. In hell there is no love. There is, therefore there is only fear. Every phobia will be manifested to the nth degree in hell. Every phobia. Phobia of heights, phobia of spiders, phobia of Everything. You name a phobia, it will be there. It's a place of fear. Because there is no love there at all. Absolutely no love. God has withdrawn His presence.
1: Unbelievable
0: fear and phobias. All consuming fear day and night. And He will cry and cry and cry and cry for mercy. But there will be no mercy. Matthew 22. And verse 13. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And second Peter two, four. For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. In hell you will be chained. You will be as if you are chained, hand and foot. Bound hand and foot. Because your feet, you have feet. But you can neither walk nor run. Nor will you ever be able to use your hands. I said... Only when we look at the bad news, we will appreciate the good news. You will start picking up this book every day. Start by waking up at a godly hour. and Get on your knees and thank God. And you will learn to be grateful for every little thing in life. You will learn what it is to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You will learn to appreciate the church which is the family of God. You will appreciate the ability to do any little thing in the kingdom of God because people are going to a place they will wish they could do something and they will never be able to do anything forever. And you will cry. And I appreciate that word. His mercies are new every morning. Because there there is no morning. Though there is day and there is night, there is no morning. There is time, but there is no morning. And their mercies are not there any morning. Revelation 14, 11. <clears throat> And they have no rest. Even if you are tired, you are sitting. After four in the morning till by afternoon, I will want to put my feet up. There's no place to put your feet up in hell forever. There's no rest. No rest. The sons and daughters of perdition will never know what is rest forever. Once you know the reality of hell, you will thank God for that lumpy pillow you have. And the hard chair you complain about. Because there is no rest in hell. No rest in hell. Absolutely no rest in hell. Daniel 12.2 Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. If you think you have a problem of low self-esteem, wait if you happen to reach hell. You will have contempt for yourself such everlasting contempt for yourself. You will abhor yourself. Because there is no esteem in hell. Caesar, Alexander, all the mighty ones who shook the earth when they were living, are living in everlasting contempt over there. Everlasting contempt. Nobody honors anybody there. Nobody knows anybody there. Or even if you know, you only have contempt for each other and contempt for yourself. What is the kind of contempt? Everlasting. Everything about hell and heaven is everlasting. Why should it be? Because that's the nature of God. He's from everlasting to everlasting. You will wish God had not made you in his image. Let me tell you all who love your pets. I don't read in the Bible any animals in hell. Because they don't have no immortal souls. So you will not have your comfort pet there in hell with you. You will be alone. Verse 25, 16-25. And Abraham said, Son, remember? And he says, I have five brothers upstairs (laughs) and Lazarus and Abraham. Oh hell, you will have unbelievable memory. You will forget nothing. You move from a different dimension, this dimension to another dimension. Your memory, you will remember everything. In heaven, God will cause you to forget. Because there is no grief, there is no sorrow. So he will do something. In hell, no. Hell, no. Hell, no. You will remember everything. Everything. You will remember everything including today's message. If you heard and rejected Every opportunity you had to give up what God told you to give up. To quit what God told you to quit. Remember, 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 remember. All you will have is regret. Pointless. It's a place of unbelievable memory. In hell, he could make out it was Abraham and Lazarus and could remember his five brothers. And he understood everything. That's why you need to pray. If you are not saved. And if you are saved, pray for others. Priorities should change. Verse 24. And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Please, I am not asking for much. just One drop. One fraction of a drop. So your desires are all alive there. Your desire... For a drop. You desire for mercy. You desire for others to be saved. Desires are all there. Every desire is there. You desire for relief. But there is no fulfillment there. Absolutely. All desires are there, but nothing will be fulfilled. It is somebody telling the drunkard, In hell, you will have every alcohol you want. Only you won't have a mouth to drink it. (laughs) We can pick marijuana, grass, cocaine, you can pick anything. But you have no mouth to put it in. Though you have a mouth. Revelation 20. Let's read from verse 10 instead of 12. (coughs) Excuse me. Can I have 10 onwards? Then the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. You are giving a slide of the company you will keep in hell. You're going to have the devil, the beast, the false prophet, all the demons, all of these are your company. You can fellowship with them. There'll be no fellowship in heaven, but you already have a list of the company is given here. Okay? And then verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him. <laughs> to him who sits on the throne, you see. And you won't be singing like this because from whose face heaven fled. From whose face heaven fled. Every one of us will fall like one dead before him if you were to see him. Fled. And there was found no place for them. Gone. The twinkling gone. It's like sun comes, darkness is gone. Where did it go? You do not know. All heavens have disappeared at the face of him. What did the Bible say? Verse 12. And I saw the dead. I saw the dead. Small and great. What are they doing? Standing. They are dead, but they are standing. Dead. Standing. And books were opened. They are standing. They are standing. This is not last man standing. This is the dead standing. They have eyes, ears, mouth, tongue. Old bodies versus new bodies when the dead in christ rise they get their resurrection bodies when the dead without christ rise they rise up with their corrupted bodies not new bodies old bodies mark 944 where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched it is literally like if you were buried today And you open the grave tomorrow. You come up there standing full of worms. And that worms never die. They never die. Are we getting the picture? Revelation 20. 14 and fifty, the end is being described. And after 21, is a new creation. We are not going to 21. We are looking at 20, the end of everything. Death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Are we getting the picture? Hell is a temporary hold area. The final place where even hell will be thrown into is the lake of fire. Of course, God being righteous, everybody's punishment won't be the same. There will be different degrees of punishment. That's why books are open. Everybody's rewards won't be the same, so books will be open. But condition... To not go there is one. Is your name found in this book? That's the most important thing. If you're concerned, go read the gospel, the epistle of 1 John. And you read that gospel, which is specifically written with that one word reiterated over and over. You can know whether you are saved. No, 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 no. Because God understands the fear and the concerns of some of his children. And he says, I have written a specific specifically with that purpose so that you know you are mine. don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. Nobody has to go there. It was not meant for us. It was not made for us. 1 John one five. God is light. And in hell there is no God. Therefore there is no light. There is no... When I'm talking about hell, we're not talking about the hell which David is talking about. Even a Pastor Vijay said during the worship, I hope you listen to words. (laughs) Even if I make my bed in hell, you are still there. But we are not talking about that. We are talking about the eternal destination called Lake of Fire. There will be no light. No, no God. No presence of God at all. In 1 John 4, 8... He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. There is no love in hell. Absolutely no love in hell. So the question is, if there is no love in hell, what replaces it? Hatred, bitterness, anger, jealousy, shame, envy, all this will consume the people over there. with no end to it. Matthew 19 and verse 17. So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but that one, that is God. So God is good. And if God is not in hell, there is nothing good in hell. Absolutely nothing good in hell. Absolutely nothing good in hell. We look around, everything is the goodness of God. We have no clue what if it's God is to remove his goodness out. What is that state? No man ever in this life has ever experienced what it is to not experience knowingly, unknowingly the goodness of God. It will be taken out. It will be an absolutely, totally evil place. Romans five, fifteen, and verse 33. Now the God of peace is the God of peace. There is no peace in hell. Because God is not there. That's why it is everlasting torment. The Holy Spirit is called. The Spirit is called the Comforter. There is no comfort there. Absolutely comfort. What is Lazarus saying? Not one glass. Not half a glass. Not one drop. The tip. Not the whole finger. If you put the whole finger, you'll get two drops, three drops. He says, tip at least that little. He's still waiting. He says, priest, is 2,000 years ago. He's still waiting. No comfort. Absolutely no comfort. And the point is, nobody has to go there. Nobody has to go there. So who goes there? Second Thessalonians 1.8 says, Vengeance on those who do not know God. Those who do not know God. First category is people who do not know God. Romans 1.20 says this, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. It is you look around, you have no excuse. The simple thing is that you are not interested. God says that's, that's an issue with mankind. Nobody is interested. Yet everybody sees every day you see a funeral buyer going, no heavens heaven-bound services, or them going with their drums to cremate, or the Muslims going to bury. Everybody sees every day a procession of death. But nobody asks. Where is he going? Where is God? Just nobody is interested. And he says, all this is displaying who I am. There is a God. I still remember when I was young. That was a long time ago when I was young in Hyderabad. I was in one of the meetings. And I remember a young girl giving her testimony. She was from a small village in Karnataka. Illiterate girl village in Karnataka. This was her testimony. She said, you know what? I used to go with my parents and I used to go to the temple and bow down to the idols and worship. But I started questioning, this can't be God. Can't be God. This can't be God. So one day I started praying, this is not God, yet there is God. So if there is God, I want to know you. She said, that's how I found Christ. Without anybody sharing the gospel to me. The issue is people are not interested in God. They want things from God. That does not mean you are interested in God. The person. God says, from creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. And it is the foolish ones, technically, who will start worshipping all his attributes and make them into gods. Remember that old These fables were written basically to make people think. There was this man, got this beautiful daughter and he wanted to get his only beautiful daughter married so he said she's too good for any ordinary man so i am going to marry her after the sun he asked the son will you marry my daughter because you are the most powerful he said no i'm not the most powerful the cloud is the cloud comes and covers me so he asked the cloud will you marry my daughter he said no i'm not the most possible the wind comes and blows me off so he asked the wind, will you marry my daughter? He said, no, I am not the strong. This is mountain standing over there. And that mountain, I can't move it at all. So when I asked the mountain, would you marry my daughter? The mountain said, no, there is a mouse which makes a hole in this thing. I cannot stop that fellow from digging inside me. So he went and asked the mouse, the mouse will you marry my daughter? The mouse said, no, there is a cat who I am very scared of. That's why I get into that hole. So he went and asked the cat, will you marry my daughter? The cat said, no, there is a dog that chases me all around the streets. I cannot marry you. So he goes and asks the dog, and dog, uh, will you marry my daughter? She said, no. He said, no, there is this man. I'm very scared of that, so I cannot marry you. So ultimately he's married his daughter to a man. So we end up worshipping the sun and the cloud and the moon and this thing. You know what? He says, you're dummies world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. But you don't seek me, the one. When I was in Iflu, that was my, that was always my question. Because I saw my profs and they were brilliant. They were brilliant. Some of them I only found recently, that Sister Tabitha also did a course at Iflu, and some of the profs whom she knew, and they were brilliant. When the festival came, that brilliant man became a Dumbo. And I couldn't understand this man with his brains. How could he worship this thing? What did he leave? Did he leave his brains behind? Why don't we think? Is the question. God says it's there. The answer? We are not interested. What can God do with people who are not interested? He says, but they are without excuse. You're without excuse. Without excuse. Second Thessalonians 1, 8, and those who heard, and those who do not listen, no, obey the gospel. The gospel has to be obeyed. At every step the gospel has to be obeyed. Every time you hear, right? That's what I said, you heard eight steps last Sunday about Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Timaeus right? There he was. How did it all begin? He heard. He heard. He heard. When he heard, there was a response. He did something. He did something. When the woman with the issue of the blood, she heard and she did something. That is the obedience to the gospel. Paul will say in Romans 1, 5, the obedience that comes by faith. It's not just hearing. And so many actually within the kingdom of God all around the world are panicking always about salvation is because they have heard, but they don't obey. Okay. Because the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Faith has its works. Faith has its works. Faith works. Faith has its works. First Peter chapter 4, 17 and 18. For time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Do you see that? Judgment begins where? In the house of God. If it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. Like I say, you know, if you if you if you have ears and you listen, you find time to listen to some of the meetings that takes place, I said, no. We who are the house of God, we who are the house of God, our paradigm is different. Now let me look Samir and Ren is here. Stanley and Akila. Pastor Vijay and Jacinth. We are talking about married couples. Okay, If you look at them, their marriages and their struggles and expectations are different from others. It's not the same as the one in the Muslim or the Hindu family. You know why? Because they don't have our God. Our God comes and suddenly says, Wives, submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church and laid down his life. From there their expectations come and their struggles come because the paradigm is Christ. What does the Hindu woman ask her husband? What is her paradigm? Tell me. What is her paradigm? What does a Muslim woman ask her husband? What is her paradigm? Where do you go? So you need to understand in the house of God your struggles are different. And those very struggles is what you have to face to understand whether you are in the Lord or not. The judgment here, does you don't have to take it as negative unless you ignore it. Because in the revelation we are seeing, right? We are looking at a church where Jesus comes in. There is no church like that, I think, anywhere in the world. You look at the church in Ephesus who are mentored by Aquila and Priscilla and Paul and Timothy and Tychicus and Apollos and John. These were their mentors. That was an unbelievable church. And God comes and he talks about the church and says, I know your works. Whenever you hear that, palpitations comes. No, I know your works. Your labor your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. You have persevered, you have patience, you have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless. Now comes the indictment. What is the indictment? The indictment is, I have this against you, that you have left your love. No, left your first love. that words troubles me it's a troubling words because the first love is different from every other love like i said first love no distance is too far no time is enough no gift is too costly So judgment begins in the house and God comes and tells this church, you know what? I have this against you. Your works are fantastic because you're more like a machine, but I can't find anything fault with your works, but I didn't come for works. I need works, but that is not first priority. If I needed works, I got a billion angels who will do it. I was looking for a relationship and that passion is gone. And he says, you know what? That is gone. And do you know what he says after that? Revelation 2. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. Remember, you know. In hell also there is. Remember. Remember therefore from where you have fallen. And this word, repent. And what? Do the first works. This is the solution. You want a restoration vertically or you want a restoration horizontally? Do the, in your marriage, in your home, with God. Do the first works. Do the first works. Go back and start doing the first works and you will see God beginning the work of restoration. If you don't, you will die. You know? What has crept in instead of heaven? Hell has crept in. So you always have to look at life, and do your lives, and ask yourself, am I tormented? Am I restless? Am I always having desires which can never be satisfied? You are experiencing hell already. It's a warning. It's a warning. The son of man did not come to destroy. He came to give life. Because every day I get mails from people who are tormented day and night. Tormented, 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 tormented day and night. All they know is torment. Why? It's a warning. It's just a taste you don't change, that's where you will end. Because the kingdom of God is peace. Not torment. It's righteousness, not evil. It's joy. God is warning his people everywhere. Warning his people everywhere. You know what has happened? Something else has become first. That's a simple thing. I'm not first. And by nature, I can never become second. I'm always first in the beginning, God. That's God. God can never become second. Even if you try to make him second, he cannot become second because he's always first in the beginning. And he says, if you are experiencing something as he's judging his house so they will repent, the thing is that you have left your first love. Get back, he says. Get back. I like your works. Your works are fantastic. It's good, everything. But there is a problem. The problem is, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. So the first love has first works. It was different. It was different. Or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. You know what he says? You will cease being my witness and my testimony. It's over. You won't be my witness. You won't be my testimony. So God is warning us. So God says, no one is without excuse. The answer is, how do I go back? What do I go back to? Because you don't want to end up in that place. So one thing I said you can do, even with marriage, you can take a chance. Why? Because it's until death. No, that is what Mrs. Job is telling. Just kill yourself, curse God and die. I'm tired of you. But there is something beyond that. You cannot take a chance with that. And the epistles are written to the church for that purpose. What does Peter says? To faith. Read the verses you have heard for years together. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 onwards. By which you have been exceeding through true partakers. so You have escaped the corruption that is in the world of the divine nature. And then verse 5, onwards. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Begins with faith. Repentance and faith towards God. We were talking and I was telling yesterday also, I was telling Pastor Vijay also. Do you know something about virtue? Righteousness. Loyalty. Integrity. Faithfulness. All is there appreciated in the world and in the mafia especially. In the mafia, they expect you to be righteous towards the boss. To be absolutely loyal. Never ever lie to him. You want to see an honest person? Go to the mafia. To the world, everybody, they will lie. To their boss, they will never lie because they will be shot if they lie. So when you're talking about virtue, all this virtue without faith in Christ is useless because you will still end up in hell. Because a lot of people are looking at their righteousness. The question is, have you actually put your faith in Christ and Christ alone? And now you have put your faith in Christ, God says, add to your faith, virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. And then, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love, for if these things are yours. And then, and about increasing measure, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness you know what, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election. Sure, You can do it. So that if you do these things, you will never stumble. Where? In your mind. You will never question your salvation. If you were to ask a question, where are you going? You will say, to my father's house. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know. Because I put my trust in Christ and I'm obeying the gospel. Adding, 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 adding. Constantly work on adding so that I can make my hope and my calling sure. Election sure. So please remember, there are no atheists in. This is the time to believe. In hell, everyone is in a prayer meeting. This is the time to pray. In hell, everybody longs for fellowship, but nobody fellowships, But this is the time to fellowship. In hell, everybody wishes they had judged themselves, but it's pointless. This is the time to judge. And now is the time to witness. Luke 16, let's go to the final verses. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my, excuse me, (coughs) my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So he understands repentance. Wow. They understood repentance in hell. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So what is Christ trying to say? He says, do you know why people end up in hell or heaven? It's not about rich or poor. It's neither about heaven or hell. It's simply about how people respond to the message. To some, he says, nothing will convince them. Even if somebody were to rise from the dead and go there and says, I've gone to heaven and I've gone to hell, don't go to hell. They are not interested. And we know, Pastor Vijay and we know as classroom teachers, some students, you will tell them, just try to pass. You are not interested in the subject. But you are in my class. And it's a compulsory subject. Just pass. They are not interested. After all these things, Christ, heaven, hell, makes no difference. Then what can you do? So, Genesis 16 8 to 9. Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said, Return and submit. Did you know the destiny of around 40 or 50 Muslim nations was hanging on the obedience of a maidservant? Your son, got a son, child is a son, call him Ishmael, God who hears, I will bless him, he will become great, he will do all this, everything promises there, but it's all conditional, two words. return. What are the words you and I need to listen to? Do you still remember last Sunday's message? Mark 16, 51 and 52. That's where Pastor Vidya preached from, you know? Last Sunday? 10, 10, sorry, 10. Not 16, 10. Mark 10. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Should you be smart? If you are smart today, you should say, Lord, I want to see. Because that's Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church. This is my prayer. This is my prayer. That God would open the eyes of your understanding that you are able to see. Do you know that's an entire letter and how many times he uses the word heavenlies, 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 heavenlies. Heavenlies. That letter is different from all the other letters. Because this is a church whose eyes had been opened. And that was the pastor's prayer. Lord, and I says, I want praying for you. I want you to also pray that I may receive my sight.
1: That you may see.
0: You may see. How will you know you have seen? What did Jesus say? Go your way. Go your way. What healed you? Your faith healed you. We saw the eight steps last Sunday. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight. Ah. And what did Jesus say? Go your way. Where did he go? He said, your way is my way now. How do you know you have sight? How do you know you have received your sight? You will know after the service. Where you go. You will know after the service. You will know tomorrow. How do you know Bartima saw? Because he followed Jesus on the road. Jericho is done with him. He's, he's done with Jericho. Curses is the man who rebuilds Jericho. He says, no, no more Jericho. No more world. Goodbye world. Bye-bye. I'm following Jesus. I don't want those old friends. I don't want the old habits. I don't want the old books. I don't want the old songs. I don't want the old movies. I don't want the old. It's gone. Now I follow Jesus on the road. Do you see that? Do you know this is Jesus' last miracle? Final miracle? After that, technically, only two more people are saved. One is one thief, and the other could be the Roman centurion who confessed, behold, this is a son of God. Other than that, we don't have anything. Because he's on the way to Jerusalem. So ask ourselves that one question. Where am I going? It's 11.34. By 12 noon, if you die, our Christ comes. Where am I going? Where am I going? What is my assurance? Does your faith have works? Does your faith have substance? Go back to the parable again or the story or the parable. Go back to it where it begins. Where it begins. Luke 16. And we'll close. This has nothing to do with socialism. Rich goes to hell, poor goes to heaven. This is not... Most of God's people, many of them are very rich people. Okay, so there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of swords who was laid at his gate. Have you seen on our roads? Sometimes ladies... Carrying that crippled one. Like that Lazarus was carried and brought every day and kept at the gate. The rich man was inside. Right before his eyes. Does your faith have works? What is the evidence of your faith? who was at his gate. And then, desiring. Doesn't say satiated by eating the leftovers. Desiring. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Look at certain things. Because faith has its own. Works does not make you salvation. But salvation has immediately there is a change in you. When you are saved, things change. Because you know what? God starts working through you. Look at here. This is the key. Because people who don't 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 know dogs won't understand parables. You need to know dogs. Moreover, the dogs came and lived his source. If you go to Alwal, where Jesus is there, the dogs will only go to Hebzibah and to me. They know we love them. A dog will not go to this man unless he's sharing his crumbs with them. You know that? Though he's a beggar, he's a giver. He's a beggar. Nobody will eat his crumbs, yet he shares. God so loved the world. He gave. He gave. You have to look through this. Then only you will understand. You know what? The beggar believed. And it was shown in his life. This was not religion. This was life. The other man knew religion. He probably... Went to the synagogue. He invited all his guests. He ate nicely. Dressed nicely. Everything. But you know what? It was religion. There was no faith there. Look at this one word. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his source. Who take crumbs from a beggar? Nobody. Except a dog. At his giving. Now, elias are going all the way to Padan Haran looking for a wife for Isaac. Finally, after we don't know weeks and months, he reaches that place and he knows he reaches the place. He doesn't go into the city. He waits outside where the city well, town well is there and then he goes on his knees and he prays a prayer. That is the key. My master has sent me. Wife for my master. Lord Abraham sent me. This is my prayer. Only one test. She should be from the right family. Meaning she should be a believer. But another thing. When I ask her for some water. She should say. Yes Lord. For you. Your servants. And your camels. And trek, Rebecca comes. And he asks the question. And she says yes. You know what the test was? Is she a giver? Because God is a giver. God is a giver. And we are not talking about money. We are talking about life. Rebecca gave no money. Eliezer gave money to her. She didn't give money. But what you have, she gave. That is the first love. You know what the first love is? You are never satisfied giving. Like I said, when people fall in love, the distance is never too far. It's never too far. The gift is never too costly. The time is never enough. And God says, Church in Ephesus, I know you. When Paul was your pastor. I know you. I know your first love. I will not ask anything from which you, which you never had. You had it. Where did you lose it? Go back. Some people, when I say these things, they never had it. So they don't know what first love is. Because with God and with their own marriage, both was arranged. So they don't know what it is to fall in love. (laughs) Do you know last week one of the most beautiful pictures? Okay, I'm letting out a secret. One of the most beautiful pictures we found and I sent it to some of my children. And they all said, oh, so sweet, so sweet, so sweet. My daughters are all saying, so sweet, so sweet. You know what it was? It was Pastor Vijay's father giving his wife for her birthday a ring with a heart on it.
1: And all the young ones looked at it.
0: So, they are all desiring. When we have been married for 46 years, let it not die. Why were they all touched? Because deep inside, God says, why did I give you my son? Because I loved you. Why was this whole thing going on for 2,000 years? Why do we preach seven days a week? Why do we pray practically every day? What is this all about? Because nobody should go there. That's a place you don't want your worst enemy to go there. You don't want anybody to go there because there is no exit there. There's only entry. There is no exit. You cannot get out of that place. It's pitch black, darkness forever and ever. It's fire that never goes out. Worms that never die. You are in a bottomless pit, tumbling, 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 bound hand and feet. Every desire you had on earth is magnified a million times. Yet not even a drop from the tip of somebody's finger to quench your thirst. You don't want anybody to go there. That's why our lives have to change. Our prayer life has to change and it is just not writing it like this. Now when some people, I'm not mentioning names, some people talk to me and talk about their sorrows and griefs, I tell them, you are blessed. No, you, don't. I said, you are blessed. Do you know that all your
1: children are saved?
0: So do you value what God values? You're talking about financial loss? You're not looking at the eternal gain. There are people in this world who have everything money can buy and they have no salvation. They're eternally damned. They don't find Christ. Do we understand what is valuable on earth? And that's why our prayer should be like Bartimaeus. And God is very specific. He comes and asks. I mean, he knows he's blind. (laughs) He's a blind man. He's healed so many blind men. Every blind man who cried asked for sight. He knows it all. But still what does he come and ask you? What do you want me to do for you? The same Jesus is asking today, what do you want me to do for you? You should be smart and say, I want my sight. Give me a glimpse of eternity. Give me a glimpse of eternity. Truly, truly show me, Lord, if this is the way I am going, where will I reach? So God, the angel of the Lord, capital A, that is Jesus, stops a servant maid, Egyptian servant maid, who is running for her mistress, and asks her. Hagar? Sarai's maid? I know you. Comfort It's not a stranger. I know you. You are Hagar. Sarai is made. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? Simple question. The way you are going. Where do you think you will reach? Where do you think you will reach? Where do you think you will reach? You you will reach? So The answer is you are on the wrong road. Return. Turn. Same to the church in Ephesus. Good, 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 good. Nevertheless. One thing. We have to be serious because he is extremely serious with us. There is no deceit found in his mouth. That means every word he speaks is true. Amen. Let's read one more. <laughs> because we will bring it to current events, no? Around the world it's happening. From Europe onwards. Let's turn to the book of Amos. Chapter 4. And verse 6. Onwards. Also, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, lack of bread in all your places. Yet, you lost your job. You have no money. You are hungry. You have now constricted all your expenses. Now eating one meal a day. You are doing all these things. Yet, you have not. returned to me. Seven, I also withheld rain from you. When there were still three months to the harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon. Where it did not rain, the part without. And you think climate change. God says, no climate change. I am in control. If Delhi is flooded, if Janagad is flooded, if Hyderabad is flooded, he says, I am in control. If there is flooding in here and drought in another place, he says, I am just trying to get your attention. Or two or three cities wandered to another city to drink sat- water, but they were not satisfied? Yet? They have not returned? You have not returned? Europe is burning, Seeing, UN chief says it is no longer global warming, it is global boiling. Precisely. Because you have not yet returned. Canada wildfires may go for another six months precisely because yet you have not returned. I blasted you with blight and mildew when your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig tree and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them, yet you have not returned. God said, I am screaming through nature, come back. Yet you won't return. We call it vagaries of nature. No. Nothing vague about it. Precisely directed by a God in heaven to get people back because a God who is loved does not want anyone to go to that place. The place we heard for an hour and a half. Pitch black. Fire that never goes out. Worms that don't die. And an abyss without end. I didn't want anybody to go there. Because when he removes his presence, this is what it happens. And then verse 10, I send among you a plague after the manner of Egypt and shut the world down for one year. And he called it COVID, yet you did not return. The most powerful Christian group in Asia, South Korea, With such an evangelistic fervor. I went in May and they told him in COVID more churches shut down than ever. We have less Christians than ever. I did it but you did not return. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned. He says, when so many of you were wandering, jobless, I gave you a job. Yet you did not return. You were also supposed to be destined. But I just plucked you out of the fire. You became a firebrand. I showed mercy on you. But you did not return. That's what Jesus is asking the man. There were ten of you, right? What happened to the other nine? They did not return. To give God glory. What happened to you? He's asking that question. As they were going. They were healed. And one stopped. And he turned around. With a loud cry. He came back giving glory to God. And fell at Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said. were in there ten? You also was one of the firebrand. Yet. They have not returned. Have you returned? So, warnings. Warnings. And then, therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your Maker. That's what life is. What is life? Preparation to meet our Maker. Are we grateful? One of the f- things which I see, and it's search so my heart always, oh Lord, and I convict, judge myself strictly on that area because I know in the last days one of the characteristics of human beings will be, they will be ungrateful. Ingratitude is built in. Ingratitude. Guard your heart. Remember Mary at the foot of the cross where he is being buried then early in the morning. Why? Grateful. I was demon possessed. I was an abomination. You set me free. Everybody left. The disciples also left. She still tarrying. She sees the gardener. Doesn't know it is the gardener. Says, Master, do you know where they have kept my master's body? That I might take it. And I always ask, Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary. It took six people to carry my mother's dead body. Mary, Mary. How do you expect to carry that dead body? Because love is as strong as death. Mary, Mary. Where did you expect to get that strength? who or she who has been forgiven much, loves much. Return. Return, God says. Return. Ask us this question. Ask ourselves, where am I going? Where am I going? Do I know where I am going? Let's stand up. Let's thank God. Tomorrow is not promised, but we are still there in today. God didn't say tomorrow if you hear my voice don't harden your heart. He says no, today. 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 Today is the day you say Lord I surrender. All my struggles. All my struggles. All my desires. All my lusts. All my addictions. Whatever it is. I don't have to know. You just say it to God straight up. Don't use if you miss Call it by name. Anyway he knows it. You're not going to surprise God. He's never surprised. Say Lord. I'm returning. I'm returning. I'm returning. I'm returning Lord. I want to see you. I was blind. And I was blind in Jericho. I went blind because I went to the wrong place. The world is Jericho. Destined for destruction. And Lord, I confess, I love the world. I love the things of the world, the company of the world. Lord, but cursed is anyone who rebuilds Jericho. Your future is gone. And Bartimus, a beggar, sitting at the gates of Jericho, heard Jesus was passing by. He didn't know Jesus would never pass by again. But this was his moment. And this is your moment. Cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Every voice you hear in your mind which tells you to shut up, shout louder, Jesus! Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. I'm telling you the same Jesus who stood still will stop in heaven. The same Jesus who had ascended from the depths and was ascending to heaven because the work of redemption was not over. The holy of holies in heaven. The blood hadn't been shed. Stopped. Because he saw Mary crying. And he said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni. The work of redemption was stopped for one person. And he told her, go and tell my brothers. I have risen. Jesus stood still. Even now he's standing still. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. All you went into the world and you drank and you drank and you drank. And hell has enlarged itself to receive you. Because this world can never quench that thirst. He says if you are thirsty come to me. Drink of me. And the spirit and the bride says, come. If you are thirsty, come. Young people, teenagers, young ones, young ones, young ones, God wants you when you are young. Don't surrender your life to God when you are old, like an old tire to be retreated. Give it to him when you are young unspoiled, untouched, give it your life to him now. God is the God of the old too. If you are old, he's the God of Moses who called him at 80. said, I'm sending you. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Let this be the day The final day, Sunday of the seventh month. The day of surrender. All you have to say is, Lord, here I am. I take my hands off my life. Be the Lord of my life. I want to see. And I want to follow you on the way. All the way. I want to follow you. To you, God says, I will never leave you. No forsake you. I'll be with you till the very end. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We just thank you for everyone. But this is not something for public. This is personal. The God who sees hearts. The God who convicts and sees the convictions and sees the response. For in the midst of the crowd, the midst of the noises of the crowd, you heard the cry of one man, mercy, mercy, mercy. And even in the midst of this crowd, you will hear the cry, crying out for mercy, mercy, mercy. You're a God who will show mercy. Thank you Father. Thank you Father, that you're merciful, you're gracious, You're compassionate. A God who comes to set the captives free. To heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All we can say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. Once again, Father. We stand in your house and we confess and we declare. Thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.